All right, uh, well, welcome to our, our midweek service, our 7 a.m. service. Uh, we're going to get into talking about uh, money matters um, or a money point of view, um, something that we've opened up maybe two weeks ago. And our, the angle that we started with, are we justified by God or money? And the, the, the point that we were talking about is sometimes we play off of money and we're not playing off of God. Uh, sometimes money is our final authority or our justification when it should be God. Um, and sometimes, uh, like, we'll shun God's path to obedience or God's, or harmonizing with God's word or being consistent in the things of God because uh, money says it's okay. And we, we really have to grow beyond operating that way. We really want to maximize uh, the value, the benefits, and position ourselves to impact people's lives. So we had talked about this the other week, but the intoxication, the worship, and the love of money has pushed the true riches of purpose and fulfillment into our blind spot, right? The intoxication of worship and the love of money has pushed the true riches of purpose and fulfillment into our blind spot. Just wanted to repeat that because I don't think I, we have that for you guys. So let's, uh, let's look at Deuteronomy 16. Well, for the sake of time, I'm gonna, that's a part of a review, so I'll just discuss it. Deuteronomy 16, 15 through 17, we talked about it uh, last week, how just trying to give, bring us to an understanding of why we do some of the things we do in the kingdom of God as far as tithes, offering, and giving. And three times a year, it said, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in a place which he chooses, you know. And then, of course, they were operating in different feasts, the Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. Um, and all that represents different angles. The, the um, Feast of Unleavened Bread, of course, was the Passover. Feast of Weeks was Pentecost. Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, you know, that represents the word becoming flesh, right? And so all these different things is when people uh, gather their giving or their appreciation um, for all the harvest and all the, the abundance that they received and made an exchange with God at that particular time. Now, we talked about this last week, uh, but we don't, you know, it doesn't take us three years to get to church. We can get to church in minutes, you know, and some people that live at distance, maybe it, maybe it take an hour, hour or two, but it doesn't take us years. So um, we do, we offer to God weekly. And that's, uh, I gave you 1 uh, Corinthians 16.2. We can look at that real quick. 1 Corinthians 16.2. Just like to give some scriptural reference. Uh, it says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come, right? Uh, upon the first day of the week, right? So, of course, it didn't, you know, it doesn't take us uh, three years to get away trying to go. So, so this whole offering process is, an, an, is, which we'll discover here today, hopefully we'll have time to get into all the scriptures, it's an opportunity for appreciation, it's an opportunity to, um, to exercise another side of covenant, God has committed some things to do for us in our life with a covenant, pouring out blessing, 
Blessings we won't have room enough to receive, rebuke to devour earth for our sake, making sure our vine is casting forth fruit in the right time and in the right season. He's promised to um, uh, give unto us good measure, press down, shaking together, running over men and giving to our bosoms, do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think, uh, allow our cup to run over. And we're, so, so during this time of exchange, we're doing our part. We're doing our part to be in covenant. One, uh, and also to bring meat in God's house, you know, so, so the kingdom or God's house, um, those that serve in his house are taken care of, but those that are in need of the service of his house are taken care of. So we do it for that reason also. Uh, but it's also something very special. It's an it's a exchange place. You know, it's an opportunity to um, exchange some things. Remember when we were talking about you can't serve God and mammon. So we talked about unrighteous mammon, unrighteous money, and we talked about true riches, but shifting that unrighteous uh, money into true riches, which hopefully we'll get into all the scriptures to explain that. But let's go here to Matthew 25 just to open up uh, because I, I mentioned exchangers or it's an opportunity for exchange, and I didn't make that up. Actually, I got that from the word also. So Matthew 25, we'll start here at verse 14, and I'm going to read it out of the King James Version. And it says, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. A key word there was goods. And unto one he gave five talents and to, an, uh, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey, right? Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them another, made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth, not in the heaven realm. He digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money, right? 17, it says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh reckoning with them. And so he, he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. Remember, we talked about that in Luke 16. He that's faithful over a few shall, shall receive more or their own. I will make thee ruler over many things. So you've been faithful over a few. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So here I was giving you this to test you, to see if you're ready for something else. It wasn't, it wasn't about... Um, what you was going to lose. It was all about me positioning you to see, you know, if you're ready for all that it's been prepared for you to have, if you can meet, if you can handle it. Verse 22, he also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I want to stop there. I'm going to keep on reading. 
But I just wanted to, to, to note that, okay, too much is given, much is required. One was given five, one was given two. And, but the one that was given two didn't have the requirement of the one that had five. The one that had five didn't have the requirement of the one that had two. But they both got the same reward. So we're all going to be at different places. Like everybody's going to be at different stages and different, different abilities. We're, the key is the one that had five, the one that had two, they both maximized their ability. Right? Not, not the two looking at the five, man, I only got two. I need to get five too. No, no, no. He maximized his ability with his two. And the one that had five maximized his ability, but they both were considered good and faithful servants, was, uh, was called into the joy of the Lord, and was going to be ruler over much more, right? Uh, and then let's go here to verse 24. It says, then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strewed. He says, I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou, thou hast that is thine. So he's like, here's, your, here's what you gave me, basically. His Lord answered and said unto, the, unto him, Thou wicked, twisted, and slowful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I have not, where I sow not, and gather where I have not strewed. Thou oughtest therefore, look, look here, therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. Key word there is to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received my own usury. That word usury means interest. I could at least got interest. He says, so you should have put my money to the exchangers. It says, take forth the talent from him and give it unto him which has ten talents. This is for everyone that has shall be given. Key word, everyone that has shall be given. Everyone that has, one, been a good steward, two, um, uh, has understood the revelation of, of taking what you have and making sure you exchange it, right? It says for everyone uh, that has given... Uh, but from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has, right? So the person that has, more is going to be given. The person that has not, not only will they not get more, but even what they have shall be taken away. Now, look at this. Look, this is so interesting because this is a parable. It has a heaven and earthly meaning. Verse 30, it says, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Look, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that's the same breakdown of hell. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So because he didn't uh, maximize what he was given, it was scriptures freely you give, freely you should, uh, freely has been given to you, freely you should give, he was sent to hell, <laughs> right? Again, so, so, so just consider the value of um, the exchangers here, because that was the key, verse 27. See, good, the good and faithful know how to exchange the seed. The good and faithful know how to exchange the seed. Let's go look at 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8. What I like about this is it's all through the Bible, and I, and I understand the reality of 
uh, people exploit the word for their own gain, and hopefully we'll get to the scriptures on that. You don't have to worry about them. <laughs> they have, they, they're going to reap what they're sowing. But then you have, have people, and I've been in this category where you don't say nothing um, because you don't want people to take things the wrong way, but people need to get the information. How are they going to grow? How are they going to benefit if you don't give them the information? All right, so the information is important. Every aspect of the Bible is important because God is trying to prepare us for some things. He wants us to navigate unrestricted and taking care of his kingdom. All right, so 2 Corinthians 8, 12. Look, it says, uh, it says, for if there be first, key word first, a willing mind, it is accepted according to that, to that a man has and not according to that he has not. So remember, it says, the person that has more shall be given. We read in other scripture. It says the person that doesn't have It'll be, it'll be taken away even that which he has. And then we even saw in this case, the unprofitable person ended up in, uh, with weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it says, if they first be, have a willing mind, that reminds me of Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land, right? You eat the good of your willing and obedient. They, they have to go together. So this saying, if you first be, have a willing mind, it is accepted according to that which you has. Willing to... Um, operating God's way of, of stewardship, God's system of serving um, uh, uh, God's, uh, what God wants us to do with what we have. Let's look here at, at, at Luke 21. It's a familiar scripture, but maybe we can look at it just a little bit different here. So Luke 21, and we'll read, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. I know I'm probably going fast because I want to make sure. You guys get this other information. It'll all be on video so you can see it later if I run through something. All right, so Luke 21, 1 through 4 says, And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. So, so, so that means he's, he's monitoring what's going on here, right? And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites, Right? It says, and he said, of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow has cast in more than than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast uh, in unto the uh, offerings of God. But she, of her punery, has cast in all the living that she had. Key word is all the living that she had. So even though it goes back to what we were saying about the, the talents, the five and the two, is, is, is they maximize what they had. So in this particular case, uh, Jesus is saying, okay, she maximized all that she had. And she, she so remember, the scripture says, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Uh, there's another scripture, I know we were going to get to it, but uh, in Psalm it says, those that come forth, um, you know, uh, almost like with sheaves and, and, and offerings, precious seed is what it says, I think it's uh, Psalm 126, but comes forth with precious seed. It says, well, you know, we'll return rejoicing. So here this person is saying, well, I want to give the best that I have. So she gave all her, um, uh, all that she had. And I read a, I read a quote, uh, and the quote said that God doesn't despise the widow's might but he does despise the miser's might. And so even though these guys was rich, they were misers. 
they gave what they what, what you know, I, I, this ain't going to hurt nothing. <laughs> it didn't cost them anything, right? It, it cost her everything. So what do you think the return on her harvest was? <laughs> because it, it, the scripture says uh, if you give boundedly, uh, you receive boundedly. If you give sparingly, you receive sparingly. It didn't cost her anything. So let's look here at 2 Samuel 24. 2 Samuel 24. I, when I was reading through that, it reminded me of this scripture, so I thought I'd give this to you so you have it in your repertoire. So 2 Samuel 24, and we'll start here at, uh, that might not be it, hold on. Okay, verse 24, 24-24, right? And the king said unto Aruna, nay, but I will, but I will surely buy it of thee uh, at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which does cost me nothing. So David brought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. So David said, I'm not going to. So, so the guy was going to give David what he needed to participate in the offering unto God. But David says, David said here, uh, it says, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which does cost me nothing. So David understood that I wanted to give out of my heart. I'm going to feel it when I give. It's going to cost me something. Right? So let's go uh, another example of that will be 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to focus on verse 13, but let me, let me start up a little. I'm going to start at verse 8. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, this is Elijah, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So now God gave him a revelation that go, you, okay, you're going to be okay. I'm going to give you what you need. And I've, I've, de- I've designed this woman to sustain thee. Okay, this is a simple instruction. I need to go where I need to go. When I meet the person, the person is supposed to give me what I need to eat. Seems simple enough, right? It says, uh, verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Because God told me you're supposed to take care of me, right? Uh, and verse 11, and, and as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, uh, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. Because he see, see it with some bread, right? <laughs> and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. So this is a last meal for us. This is all we got left. And so we're going out. We're going to go out, you know, with some biscuits and gravy. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we gonna, we're going to do this, right? And, and so listen to this. So... You know, I, I'm a man of God, but I don't even know. I've read this, so I would do it if God, obviously if God told me. But let's say when I first read this ever, I was like, 
That's pretty bold. <laughs> so listen to him. He said, she just said they was ready to die, right? Last meal. And Elijah said unto her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said. So fix the meal, but make me there of a little cake first and bring it unto me after make for thee and thy son. I just told you, bro. I just got enough for me and my son and we about to die. He said, make me a cake first. See, he was, it was something he was doing. See, he, he was saying, okay, that's your widow's might. And you don't even realize it. That's all you're living. Right? If, if you make an exchange here, if you take that and make an exchange here, you will live and not die. That's basically what he's telling her, right? It says, uh, it says, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. He says, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon earth. What he's saying is, what you thought was about to run out is about to extend until the next time you see rain. <laughs> he says, it's supernaturally, but if you do what I tell you to do, you're going you're gonna to take what you have, make an exchange, and what was earthly was now going to shift into the heaven realm, right? This is what he's telling her. And so she went and did according to the saying uh, of Elijah, and she, uh, and she and he and her house did eat many days, <laughs> and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. So there was an exchange made, right? Um, something my wife has said a while ago, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, um, we'll all be tested. <laughs> whether it's a lot or a little. So we know that from the guy with the five towns, the guy with the two, the guy with the one, the guy with the five and the two receive the same uh, uh, next level value, but they had different amounts, Right? One had a lot, one had a little, but, it's the, but because they both operate in the same level of a stewardship, it was impacted. It was the one that, that just hid his because he was afraid he was going to lose it. He hoarded his, so he was afraid he was going to lose something, and he ended up losing more than he thought powerful. So the thing is, whether we have a little or a lot, we'll all be tested. This is a quote from Pastor Melanie Bradley, uh, Ayers Christian Center Church, Charlotte, North Carolina. All right, just in case I didn't know who she was. <laughs> All right, so let's go to Psalm, Psalm 66. I happen to know her personally if you, if you really want, you want to meet her. Real close. I have an inside track with her. All right, so Psalm, listen, I've read through this. I, I've, I've read through this in the past, but this is just perfect in what, we, in what we're talking about in terms of testing. Uh, verse 10. Psalm 66.10, it says, For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. Right? It says, Thou brought us into the net, basically almost like the trap. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. Now, this is the Old Testament, so he allowed all these things to take place. Old Testament was originally written in the permissive sense. All right? Verse 12. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But look, but thou hast brought us out into a wealthy place. Right? So it's like, so, so through this process, we're going through tests, and it seems like everybody's out ahead. Everybody's getting things done. But we got to 
trust God through the test process. We can't abort it. We can't cheat it. We can't get fearful, right? And it, and, and it says, but, but thou brought us out because we embraced the test. You brought us out to a wealthy place. Now, look at what happens after we came out to a wealthy place. Next verse, right? It says, I will go into thy house with burnt offerings, and I will pay thee my vows. Look, look, which my lips have uttered and my mouth have spoken when I was in trouble. See, so we're doing the process of the test. While people are going through the test, they realize and appreciate more of God. And what they start to say is, hey, when you get me through this, I will commit to you. I vow to do this. I vow to do that. Matter of fact, it's all about the kingdom once I get through this. So this person is saying, once I got through, I went right to the house. I went right to the house, and I made sure I, 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 I gave off, and I paid my vows, right? He says, the things that my lips said. So I honored everything I told you I was going to do when you got me through, and you brought me to this wealthy place, right? It says, uh, which my lips was uh, spoken when I was in trouble. Verse 15. I will offer unto thee burnt, burnt sacrifices and fatlings and, and increase of lambs, and I will offer bullocks of goats, selah. I mean, we understand that they, their rate, how, what they exchanged was different back then, okay? Because, like, we don't have barns, and we, we don't have no place to put offer, uh, goats and stuff in, in the church right now. <laughs> that would be interesting, <laughs> right? It says, look, 16, come and hear all that, all ye that fear or reverence God, I will declare what he has done for my soul. So not only did I, I honor my vows, I actually gave my testimony and represented. Oh, no, 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 y'all need to hear what God's doing, right? So, so there's, there's, there's a heightened level of appreciation here. 17, I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. All this is lifting him up. Key word here, look. If I regard inequity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Yeah, people just think God's hearing everything you're saying. No, if there's inequity in my heart, God will not hear me. Just like John 9, 31. God doesn't hear the prayer of the sinner, right? It says, but verily, God has heard me. So what he's saying is there was no inequity found in my heart. There was no ulterior, uh, ulterior motives found in my heart. There was no, another version says, I, I recognized there was sin in my heart ignored it, and didn't do nothing about it. I made excuse for it, basically, as opposed to repenting and doing whatever I have to do, right? It says, well, verily God has heard me, meaning I've, I've, I've been honest about every level I've been at as I've been tested. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which has not turned away my prayer, nor is mercy from me. Right? Because he... See, again, he was talking to the authentic me, and that's the person he was looking to bless, not the one hiding, right? And so, 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 so as Pastor Mel said, whatever level you're going to be tested, but it's a wonderful thing. Some people have been tested and are still stuck in the test complaining as opposed to trusting God through it. Some people have gotten through the test and forgot about God. Remember Deuteronomy 8? This is when you build goodly houses and when y'all... When, when everything's multiplied, forget not the Lord God, for it's he that giveth thee the power to get wealth. You know, Deuteronomy uh, 8, 17, and 18. So here, this person says, oh, okay, listen. I done looked up, and I'm in, I'm in a whole nother place in life. I'm running to God's house, <laughs> right? And I'm going to show a, a appreciation for it, right? 
I'm going to honor my vows, the things that I said I would do if I ever got out of this mess, right? I'm not just going to forget about God, right? And so, but the benefit is when a person runs into the house and, and, and gives offering and, and pays vows, now they're operating in a different system before they was going through all the craziness. Now they're operating on, on, with the exchangers. They're making exchange. Now, why, why is it about coming into God's house? All right, so let's look here at uh, Matthew 23. Matthew 23, and for the sake of time, we'll just read 16 through 24. See, because the, the temple sanctifies the author, the, the uh, all that you have, it sanctifies. Uh, so 16 to 24, I'm, I'm going to read it through the, the uh, Amplified. It says, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whosoever swears an oath or promises or makes a vow, as we talked about a few minutes ago, by the sanctuary of the temple, that is nothing not binding. He says, so what happens is back, that back then people would realize that they weren't doing God right, and they was like, God, I vow this is what I'm going to do. Or let's say if they, they, they forgot about God and, you know, they wasn't um, giving offerings in their seed or what have it. God, my bad. I, matter of fact, I not only vow this, but I vow this, and I vow this, uh, I swear by your, your temple, by your holy temple. And so you had guys that's like, man, if I know, you made, I know you made a commitment to, uh, by the temple, but t- church don't mean nothing. That's basically what they were telling them, right? And this is saying, woe to you, blind guides who say, whosoever swears an oath or promise by the sanctuary of the temple that it is nothing or, or non-binding. But whosoever swears an oath by the gold of the temple is obligated as debtor to fulfill his vow and keep his promise, you... It says, you fools and blind and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the sanctuary of the temple? Look, that sanctified the gold. So it's saying that this, the temple actually sanctified the gold. So, it's not, so the gold, you don't swear by the money. <laughs> you swear by God and his house, right? That's basically what it's saying. It says, and you scribes and Pharisees say, whosoever swears an oath by the altar that is nothing or non-binding, but whosoever swears an oath by the offering on it, he is obligated as a debtor to fulfill his vow and keep his promise, you spiritually blind men. Which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies, sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whosoever swears an oath by the altar swears both by it and by everything offered on it. And whosoever swears an oath by the sanctuary of the temple swears by it and by him who dwells within it. And whosoever swears an oath by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, self-righteous scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you give a tenth, a tithe of your mint, deal and coming, focusing on the minor matters, and have neglected the weightier, more important moral and spiritual provisions of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It says, but these are the, prim- are the primary things you ought to have done without neglecting the other. Look at this. So what it says is you guys are tithing and doing all those different things and forgot about uh, the other levels of mercy and, 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 and morality, justice, and faithfulness, right? He says, 
the justice, mercy, and faithfulness are the primary things, but you shouldn't be neglecting the other. It, it didn't say do these and not the, the commit to tithe and mint and stuff like that. It's, it's basically saying doing both, right? It says you, you know, and this is, that's the New Testament. You know, people say new te- tithing is not in the New Testament. He just said it right there, right? All right, so you spiritually blind guys who strain out a gnat, consuming yourselves with minuscule matters, and swallow a camel, <laughs> ignoring the, and violating God's precepts, <laughs> right? It's amazing how they do the little contrasts. All right, let's look at Hebrews 7. So Tanya made a great point last week. You know, a lot of times we operate in, in certain principles, but we don't have a full understanding. We don't have chapter and verse of Scripture, so... God just wants us to have a full understanding as he prepares us for where we're about to go, the next um, level of things. So, so, so what we're going to talk about here, men, men of God on earth may be delegated to receive tithe, but they are exchanged or covered through Christ. To, 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 they're, they're, Christ is what, is what is converting them into true riches. So look here to Amplify. It says, uh, it says it is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with the priestly office are commanded in the law to collect tithes from the people, which means from their kins, which means from their kinsmen through the uh, uh, through these have descended from Abraham. Basically, Levites descended from Abraham, right? It says, but this person, Melchizedek who is not from their Levitical ancestry, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him and who possessed the promises of God. Yet it is beyond all dispute that the lesser person is always blessed by the greater one. Furthermore, here in the Levitical priesthood, tithes are received by men who are subject to death. But in that case concerning Melchizedek, they are received by one whom it is testified that he lives on perpetually. So Melchizedek was a representative, representative of Christ, like uh, in, the, in the form of Christ. A person might even say that Levi, the father of the priestly tribe himself, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, the father of Israel, and of all who believe. For Levi was still in the loins, unborn of his forefather Abraham when Melchizedek met him. Uh, met, met Abraham. So basically, this whole passage is talking about how you have uh, uh, God has, has delegated story that delegated authority or men of God that receive tithes, but they receive tithes, but the exchange is made with Christ. Just like, uh, just like back then, Abraham set the precedent. So Abraham had collected collected tithes from. From basically all the crew that he was he was leading, and made the exchange with Melchizedek. So Melchizedek represents uh, Christ, right? He, he, so basically, Christ sitting on the right hand of the Father is the one making the exchange, even though they're coming through men of God. Which I, I'll explain further here with some other scriptures. Right, let's go to. Uh, Ezekiel 44. Apologize for rushing. A lot of information. In, in, huh? 
It's all on video. Yeah, you can go back and see. <laughs> all right, so uh, Ezekiel 44. All right, so this is just a confirmation of, 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 of why God does some of the things he does. Verse 30. It says, the first, it says, the first of all the first fruits of all things in every oblation that's offering of all and every sort of oblation, that word oblation means offering, and every sort of offering shall be the priest. Ye shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough. It's, 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 it's talking about the dough that you made, you know, like you cook with. <laughs> You know, they, had, they were operating the slang back then. <laughs> Yo, give them the first of your dough. <laughs> right. It says that he may cause the blessing. Look, look, why are you giving it to the priest? It says it, it says it at the end of the scripture. That he may cause the blessing to rest in thine house. Right. And then let's go to Numbers. Numbers 18. So again, I'm, 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 I'm bringing an offering based on the last thing that we discussed, and the exchange is I, I bring an offering or a seed of all the fruit that I have, you know, 90% of it is mine, but I bring the offering and I receive a blessing on my house, and, it just, and, and that blessing helps me to pick up momentum where I'm constantly um, being fruitful, multiplying, and replenishing, all right? All right, so let's do, uh, <clears throat> and this, this passage is about the priests and the Levites' duties, but we'll, we'll lock in here verse 8, but I'm going to read it out of the uh, <clears throat> BBE version. That's the Bible in basic English version, okay? It says, and the Lord said unto Aaron, see, I have given, uh, given um, into your care my lifted offerings. So, you, so, so Aaron, Levites, all of them, the priests, you're responsible for my offerings. Or, and when it says lifting offerings, it's the offerings that have been sanctified, okay? It says, even all the holy things of the children of Israel I have given to you and to your sons as your right forever because you have been marked with the holy oil. And this is... And <clears throat> This is to be yours of the most holy things out of the fire offerings. Every offering of theirs, every meal offering and sin offering, every offering which they uh, make on account of error is to be most holy for you and your sons. As most holy things that are, for, uh, that are to be for your food, let every male have them for food. It is to be holy to you. And this is yours, the lifted offering, which they give, and all the wave offerings of the children of Israel I have given to you and your sons and your daughters as your right forever. Everyone in your house who is clean may have them for food. All the best of the oil, of the wine, of the grain, of the first fruits of them, which they give to the Lord, to you I have given them. The earliest produce from their land, which they take uh, uh, to the Lord to be yours. Everyone in your house 
who is clean may have it for food. Everything given by oath to the Lord in Israel is to be yours. Right. And, and this is the interesting thing. So he, God set this up and, and you have to connect it. We connect everything that we talked about last week and this week. So, so what, what happened back then, you have the children of Israel came through and God brought them into a wealthy place. The scripture says they came out, there was no one feeble among them, right? And so they have a possession. He, remember, he was bringing them into the land of milk and honey, right? He, and so all the tribes had, had this land and they was getting possessions. But while the tribes were going out to conquer land and to receive all these riches, the priests had to be at the tabernacle interceding on their behalf. So while they were engaging in life out there, and they were, you know, uh, when they, uh, people were trying to sabotage their promotions or, or people was trying to attack uh, their acquisitions, whatever the case may be, while they were out doing what they were doing, the priests couldn't go out and benefit from, because a lot of times when they, when they took over spots, they got spoiled. You know, when, when the lepers that time uh, went into the land and God had, you know, scared the people away and the lepers went in with so much stuff, they grabbed stuff and then they finally told the king. So they, so, so they got spoiled. But the priests would be back interceding so they can, remember we was talking about, uh, what last? Oh, I forgot. These aren't reading glasses. Uh, so, so we were talking about how we were talking about the wind talkers the other day, and I was saying how they would, the battleships would bomb ahead and the troops would advance. So, so in our culture, in the kingdom, the priests pray ahead and God's people advance, right? So they, 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 the priests are not, like they couldn't leave the tabernacles. If they could leave the tabernacle, they could die. So it wasn't like, I feel like praying today. I don't feel like praying today. I think I'm going to pray today. I'll, inter- I'll do intercession for you today. I'm not going to do intercessory. Well, I'll get there and say, well, my schedule's busy. No, the priests don't have that option. They have to pray all the time. Or I'll say it this way, we got to pray all the time. Like it ain't no, there, there, there's no particular hour. It's all day. It's every day. And so what God did was he says, okay, when people come to give offering, that's going to be your benefit. At the same time, it'll be meet my house to, to benefit those that are in my house that need stuff, Right. So I want to give you what the scripture says. Now let's look at this. So because this is Second Chronicles. Sometimes it's just so easy to just look over the scripture for whatever reason. Um, It's like it's easy to look for people to see that God wants the husband and wife to be as one, right? To submit to themselves to one another. So easy to look over that scripture. Why? Because people have been in bad relationships. You see what I'm saying? So I don't even want to see the scripture because I've been in bad relationships. Same thing. It's it's so easy to look over God's system of operation because people have been swindled. People have been in bad relationships. But but God is saying, trust me. Don't worry about people. Just trust me, which I'll, I'll show you that. Hopefully, we'll have time to get to that scripture, too. All right, so 2 Chronicles 20, 20, all right? Okay, we don't have time to read through the whole thing. So, so this is a bunch of kingdoms coming at uh, uh, the children of Israel. Jehoshaphat's the king. He calls Solomon's assembly to pray 
And, you know, and they prayed. The Lord sent, the scripture says the Lord sends ambushments. Basically, by the time they get to, to fight, when they, by the, when they went to go fight, all the kingdom was laid out. So they just, they, it took them three days to collect all the spoils. So they, they went to a battle, was in, in worried about all these kingdoms. When they went to the battle, they didn't even have to fight because that's where you get uh, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's, right? In verse 20, it says, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And they went forth. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O, o Judah, ye inhabitants of Israel. Believe in the Lord God, so shall you be established. Look, believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. So there's, uh, there's your faith is in the Lord, and you're believing what God is communicating through his men of God so you can prosper, right? God, is, he has delicated authority for a reason because it takes a lot more faith to believe someone you can see. You know that. Now, if God shows up, you're going to believe him because God just showed up on the scene. But, but to, to uh, God set some things up because he knows it takes a lot more faith um, uh, to trust, to trust him in the midst of people, right? To have faith in him in the midst of people, right? And so, so, so it, it, it lines up with everything. Even when uh, Jesus told the disciples, he sent them out without anything. Don't take nothing. Don't take a coat. He was training them to believe uh, in what you, you know, believe for something that you can't see. Don't just be dependent on, on what you have. He was training, training them to depend on him for everything, for wisdom, for insight. And then there was a point where he sent them out with script. All right, so let's look at, let's look at another, uh, another angle of this. So i just like to, so you can triangulate the scriptures yourself when you have time to study this week. Uh, 1 Samuel 9. So 1 Samuel 9, uh, the passage is 1 through 8. Well, I'll just read it. It says, now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of uh, Bacharath, and the son of uh, Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul. You know who Saul is. A choice young man, a, a goodly, and a goodly, and there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. <laughs> Interesting. It says, from his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. <laughs> Interesting. It says, and it says, and the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. You know, and Kish said to Saul, his son, take now one of, one of the servants with thee and arise and go seek uh, the asses. It says, and he passed through the mount, passed through Mount Ephraim, and passed through the land of Shalishah, but they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and there, and there they were not. And he passed through the land of Benjamites, but they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Suf, Saul said to his servant that that was with him, Come. And let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. 
And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, uh, peradventure, or perhaps he can show us our way that we should go. It's interesting. Then, then says Saul to his servant, but behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again and said, behold, I have here a handforth of part of a shekel of silver that that will I give to the man of God to tell us our way, right? Uh, it says, before time when, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, come and let us go to the seer, for, for he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. So here they understood, I'm going to go before the man of God, but I'm going to make an exchange. I'm going to receive something, but I'm, but I'm going to give something. Right. So these are where some of these principles were established and different people started to grab hold of them and twist them and pervert them and use them inappropriately. But it's, it's, it's God's system that he's operate forever. You know, God established an exchange place for a reason. Right. The scripture tells us, take no thought what you're going to eat, sleep or drink. Uh, the lilies of the field, the fowls of the air. It says, it says, uh, don't uh, store up your, uh, what you have on the earth where moth and rust does corrupt. What it's saying, where it can be corrupted and it can be disintegrated and it can be devoured. It says, store up things in heaven. So once we start the process of exchanging with God, now we're storing uh, spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Hopefully we'll have time to get to that. Right? So God's exchange place is his house his servants, his people of God, right? These are all his exchange place, right? So, so when he established tithing, tithing is, is uh, an, an opportunity to, of, of exchange also, right? So it's unrighteous money produced by man, converted into true riches, blessed with a devour protection plan. See, see, see once, I, once I tithe, now I, I'm operating in the devour protection plan, right? Right? So the devour protection plan is what? It says he'll rebuke the devourer for my sake. Right? And that's uh, Malachi, of course, 3, 8 through 10. Right? Right? So, so what happens is this unrighteous money becomes righteous or money operating in the covenant system or in God's system or in God's kingdom. That's why we have seed, time, and harvest. Remember the guy uh, with the barns in a... It's a Luke 12, 16 to 21, you can uh, read it for yourself when you have time. So he had all this stuff, and he says, well, I'm just going to store it up over here on the earth, right? And then they said, you fool. Like, if your life is snatched away from you now, all you did was store of seed. You know, right? He was saying this, I, freely has been given to you. I've set it up for a system. You can never lose. That's like a, a farmer saying, I have, I have all this seed. I'm just going to store it up. Because, yeah, you know, I don't want to lose the seed. You're missing out on a harvest. And, and, and I've never seen a farmer. I, now, this person is not a farmer. He lives in Newark, New Jersey. But I never knew he was in the uh, gardening, 
We just talked about this. So I know I'm talking about you on TV, on a, on this. And so in in his in his backyard in in North East Orange area, uh, he has a garden, and he was he said, man, it's amazing to see a seed start out as a seed and just grow from nothing. He says, so I have these cucumbers. He says, once they start growing, they just keep on growing. He says, I can't give them all away before some more cucumbers come. But it started with him just planting cucumber seed. And then the cucumbers come, he says, I'll give them away, give them away. He said, then and they just keep coming, man. All types of, and I was, I was talking to my, my aunt, because she used to garden all the time. She says, she says, nephew, she says, it's different. She says, those cucumbers don't taste like she says, when I, when I had my garden, I used to go, oh, that's how it's supposed to taste. <laughs> she says, it doesn't taste the same. She says, but what he told you is right. It just keeps on coming. And that's God's system, seed, time, and harvest. It just keeps on coming. So, so just like those cucumbers kept coming, when he planted the cucumber seed, he couldn't see the abundance of cucumbers that would just keep coming. With more seed in them to plant again. You see what I'm saying? And they just keep coming. To a point where he had to give it away. Not, no one had to ask him. It was so much, I got to give it away. Like, remember when the, the fish, uh, 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 was so many fish they had to call their other partners. So the abundance facilitated them wanting to give away. Because it was just too much. It was, the cup was running over. It was too much for themselves. So that's, that's God's system. That's how God, with the rich young ruler, when he tell him to sell all you have, give to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. Look, he, okay, uh, Mark 10. There's another piece in there. He, he, if he would have just been listening, he would have seen he wasn't, the Lord wasn't trying to, to set him up to lose. He was setting him up the game. Mark chapter 10, 17 through 25 is the entire passage. Um, 21, it says, it's, he had told him, he says, I, I've done all these commandments uh, uh, from my youth. And then when you get to 21, then Jesus beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, one, loved him. Key word is loved him, right? When, when the word says beholding, that's Jesus discerning. Anytime you see beholding, he's discerning. He's looking through him into his heart. So he, it says he behold him, loved him based on what he saw in his heart. Right? He said, and so he gave him this prescription from what he saw in his heart. He says, one thing thou lackest. He says, go thy way, sell, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou, look, look, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. He was telling them to make an exchange. He says, you're dependent on what you have. I can never use you for what, why you're sitting here talking to me. You're supposed to be one of my disciples, but you'll never be able to be my disciples because this money has you like an anchor. So I need you to now depend on the kingdom. So, so, but it said, look, you have treasure in heaven. If you had to have treasure on earth and treasure in heaven, what do you think would be more valuable? Right? He was setting them up. Like, he must have missed that. I, I mean... It's easy for me to say because I'm reading it after he made the mistake, right? It said, uh, verse 22, it says, and he was sad at the saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Remember, the scripture says, if, 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 if you love money, it doesn't say money is bad. If you love money, it says it can pierce you through with many sorrows. 
What he saw in his heart was he was pierced through with many sorrows because he saw he loved money more than God in the kingdom. So when he was telling them to sell all he had, he was shifting them to love God, but still giving them access to treasures in heaven. He wasn't trying to say, come serve God. You'll have nothing for the rest of your life because it's all about just going on this journey. No, he was like, no, no, no. If you do it my way, you'll have both. That, that's the thing. You, you'll have both. Remember when he, uh, when he was talking to the people that was like, well, nah, uh, this is not important, that is not important. He said they both are important. Even in, 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 uh, uh, before he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he said, the, the Gentiles uh, seek after these things. I know you have need of these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, it keeps saying first the kingdom of God. So, so shift your love to love the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Right? But right now, if your love is the things and not the king, you're going to miss out on fulfillment. You'll just be pierced through with many sorrows, right? So that's what he's trying to, is it back to exchange? He's trying to exchange, uh, uh, Luke 16, we talked about it, 9 through 13, trying to exchange the unrighteous mammon into true riches. He's trying to shift you into the true riches. So, so I, you know, I think about this, we talk about this a lot, and I was telling, uh, me and my sister was talking, and I was like, man, I said, God is real to me, and I love my life. And I said, I love my life because I'm doing kingdom work. And so I was talking about different to some of the things. She said, man, that's a lot. I said, yeah, but it's kingdom work. I said, so, so, and it's, it's shifted, it shifted our whole flow, our whole focus. We're able to operate differently. The scripture says in Matthew 18, uh, 18 through 20, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound to heaven, whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, right? It says, again, I say unto you that if two of you Agree on earth as touching. When it says touching, it's saying from the heart. Anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. See, true riches in heaven. But it says, but see, you're not going to request something from the heart that touches God's heart if you're pierced through with many sorrows through money. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to get it out from the heart because... Where your treasure is, your heart is. So he says, he says, hey, you'll have treasure in heaven, so where will your heart be? In heaven. It'll be kingdom-minded. So now God says, I can add all these things to you because going back to the test when, everybody, when people are tested, I can trust you. Going back to giving out the five talents and the two talents, you, hey, I, you're a good steward. I can trust you. Your heart is about the kingdom. Right? Your heart is about, so I, I know I can trust you, so now I can release exceedingly abundantly above to you. But I, I, we said this the first week, all that we have is not all that he has. And it may be more than we had. It may be more than others have, but it's still not all that he has for us. When we shift to being kingdom-minded, we'll see stuff that we never thought possible. I was, I was listening to... Uh, um, Pastor Pearson, is, uh, I, didn't think, I, I didn't think I remember his first name, but it's Dwight Pearson. Listen to him and Gloria Copeland. So he was, he was saying how the Lord is trying to increase his faith. He said, he said, because, you know, I've learned some things how to expand, and, and, and I'll re, maybe I'll read the scripture for you next week, 
but it talks about ex- uh, larger territory, expanding where God wants you to, to do and the things he wants you to do. And he said, the Lord has been expanding us. He says, so, he says, right now we have a 10,000 seat uh, sanctuary, right? Which I didn't know it was 10,000, so. <laughs> it's amazing, right? He says, but we're believing for a 50,000 seat sanctuary. Like, I ain't never seen a 50,000 seat church ever. They, uh, that's like a stadium. Like uh, uh, the, the Joel Osteen them don't have fifty thousand. But but the point it was not the building. The point was, as they were talking, they were just talking about how God is trying to move them. I mean, because they're they're all over the world. They have headquarters all over the world, right? And he had been in uh, Eagle Rock. That's where their 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 church is. That's Kenneth Copeland's. Uh, Gets the headquarters or whatever, but they don't, they don't need nothing. You know, the, the city depends on them for natural gas, electric, stuff like that. It was an old army base that already had an airplane hangar on it. So, you know, Kenneth Copeland was flying planes forever. He used to fly around Oral Roberts. But my whole point is, like, they have a printing press. They print their own books, <laughs> right? And so, so he says, God is trying to expand them to another area so you can easily even relax where they are. But instead of relaxing, God is saying, no, I need you guys to do this and impact the kingdom this way and do that. And it's like, ah, ah, you know, like, but we cool. We all right. And, and, and sometimes we do that. We can say to ourselves, we all right. But Scripture says that we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And that's um, Ephesians 1.3. Right? So God's trying to get us to, to, uh, to store up things in heaven in Matthew 6, right? And, but, but in Matthew 6, before he told us to, to don't store stuff on the earth and, and store up things in heaven, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, earlier in that chapter, it was the Lord's prayer for us to pray for it to be on earth as it is in heaven, right? To, to, to access things from heaven, right? And this is the thing. So, so I'm in here. Because the scripture said in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, it said, uh, he gives seed to the sower, both to minister bread for your food and multiply the seed some. So basically, if you have an apple, we're not, obviously we're not talking about just apples, but, but most of the apples for you to eat, the seed is for you to sow. That's the tent. That's the, that, right? So when you lose your seed on the earth, you release your harvest from heaven. When you lose your seed on the earth, Seed, key point here, seed. You, you release your harvest to heaven. So you don't want to abuse seed's purpose. Seed's purpose is to be loosed and sown, right? You don't want to hinder harvest's purpose. Harvest's purpose is to be reaped. Seed's purpose is to be sown. Harvest's purpose is to be reaped. Seed time and harvest was designed for, for us to operate in God's system, God's kingdom principle, so uh, he can supply all our need according to his riches and glory. So we can navigate like in Acts chapter 2, 45 and Acts chapter 4. As they were moving to do kingdom work, God didn't want them hindered by needs. He wanted them to meet needs, not think about needs. So he flooded them with abundance so when someone had a need, they took care of the need so they can keep moving, right? And so, that's, so as God is moving us to this next stage, 
He's given us the information to know how to navigate through it, how not to forget God, how to operate in the system. Our dependence in God does not change because we have greater resources. We have the house we want. We have the car we want. Um, we have savings in a bank account. Our, we're st- Nothing changes. We're still connected with God. We're still obedient to God. We're still doing what he says. Now, I have, I have a friend who told me this. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to do it. I know a man of God that has done it. it, it uh, this, this guy's from Australia. But he says, I, I can't give the money away. This is the more he gives away, he says he just keeps giving it back. As a matter of fact, he went to a bank. He says, well, okay, I just need you guys to loan me a million dollars. And he was like, man, he said, man, well, man we don't want to give you this money. He says, well, why not? I'm good for it. He says, yeah, but every time we give it to you, you give it away. He says, have you, have you ever not got your money back? He says, no. He says, now he's not going in to fill out paperwork. <laughs> he was going and saying, I need you to give me a million dollars. I mean, he owns like a gold and silver bank. Um, but this particular young man that I know, um, he's, he doesn't own a, a, a bank. Um, he's done well in life. And he said, uh, this, is, this was one of the first times uh, the Lord had told him he had this money on his table. And he said, uh, he said uh, God, what do you want me to do this? I don't need it. He says, I'm good. Now, he wasn't like making, these days they make contracts of 60, 70 million. He wasn't even at that level. But he, but he said, I'm good. I don't need nothing. Um, he says, well, what do you want me to do with this? It's just, you know. He says, okay. This is, what, this is what God told him. He says, Keith needs that money, and he needs it now. And so he's got, I told the story before, I might not have told that part, but he, uh, he texts me, he says, what bank do you bank with? Uh, now, the day, I think the, the day before, we had a conversation. I said, well, bank, this is where we are. We just moved out here. I said, uh, we got about $300 in the bank. That's it. <laughs> um, we hadn't started the church. I said, you know, uh, I said, well, we're going to need about 15000 to start the church. I said, you know, working overtime, you doing what you're doing. I said, maybe we'll be able to do it in, uh, I think, I said, six months. Maybe we'll be halfway there. That's what I said. I said, but knowing God, it might be sooner. So when I said halfway there, that's $7,500. Um, and so I get, the, I get the text the next day. What bank do you bank with? I text back, Bank of America. Uh, what's your bank account? So I text the bank account back, but I was on a counseling call. And then I said, wait a minute, I just texted this person my bank account. So I said, uh, but, but it, was, it was a person of integrity, but still, I, we don't, you know, and, but it, I, I reflexed and did it before I thought about it. Never did that in my entire life. She's a witness. And then so uh, then the person texted me back, let me know. No, 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 I text them just in case you're wondering. I am curious. And the person texts me back one word, obedience. So I said, okay. Then they text me again and said, let me know when you've gotten it. I looked in the bank, checked the phone. I said, let me see what they put in the bank. What's going on here? They had put $10,000 in our bank. And so I talked to the person later. I said, you know, I said, you you don't know. We had just had the conversation the day before, this, that, and the other. And they said, listen, um, this ain't my money. This is God's, and I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do with it. He says, if God tells me to empty my account, I'm going to empty my account. Like, now, now, for some of us emptying our account, it's going to hurt. But in this person's case, 
I'm like, <laughs> you're a man of God. <laughs> right. But, but, but he was so genuine in, in what he communicated. Like, you know, and even that day, like, I, I never got nothing from that person in my entire life. Ever. Like, I, and it's not like we were talking. I mean, we talked, you know, you know how you talk to people here and there. But for God to tell him that, I just thought that was powerful. Yeah, that was, you know, that was God too. So, so just, just uh, I have some other stuff, but we can talk about it next week. And I do apologize for rushing. I just wanted to make sure uh, the information was out there. It's on video. We can go, we can look at it. You know, I, I don't know how long God wants us to talk about this. I do know we'll talk about it next week because I know exactly what we're supposed to talk about next week. But outside of that, just want to give you insight. Again, I know people don't, sometimes people have uh, abused uh, this type of message. Uh, sometimes people like myself have not taught on the message. Uh, but people have to have the information. It's in, it's in the Bible so they can search the scriptures for themselves. So now it's, it's not playing off of people's opinion. It's playing off of God's word, you know. And so it's, it's uh, and then our life, our life is been, been uh, we, we're benefiting in our life. Uh, oh. <laughs> we're making, um, you know, well, well, I won't get into that. I'll just say that God has really been um, placing us in a position of contentment, but because we're operating in God's, God's kingdom and God's system for the longest. All right, so any thoughts? Uh, if you're so led, you can call in. They have the they should have the call in information on the screen.